Welcome to part two of Health System CIO's podcast interview with Dr. Patrick Woodard, CMIO and VP of Clinical Systems at Renown Health. In this segment, Woodard talks about why he believes it's critical that health systems don't move too fast, especially when it comes to digital engagement. The most valuable takeaway he has had during his time as a physician, the need for best practices that can be adopted by any organization, large or small, and how IT and clinical leaders can begin to address data literacy. I know that one of the priorities is um, digital front door, and, and this is really interesting. And we've talked about how some things have been pushed forward with COVID as far as you know digital adoption, but can you talk about what that really means as far as you know creating that digital front door and, and how you see that hopefully evolving? Absolutely. As we've discussed, I think there are some elements of it that had to take place immediately. The move to virtual visits and the ability to schedule without necessarily calling the contact center or the ability to message your physician. We were fortunate in that this year was focused on really enhancing some of what we had available through our portal really creating an ability for people to access our health system digitally anyway. So I think we were lucky in that that was already planned and we were able to kind of keep the focus on that, which became ever more apparent that it was necessary because of the pandemic. As we look forward, I think we actually have to be careful in that we don't do too much too quickly as we think about now we have a whole bunch of people who maybe never were connected to us digitally who now are. And how do we make sure that that experience is seamless? And I would actually extend it to not just patients, but we have a large community of independent physicians who work here and work in the community who either see patients at our hospitals or they see patients in their clinics and they work with a much broader set of resources than we do, right? We're fortunate in that we have a reasonably sized IT team. We have um, coding and billing support. We have a a great finance team. We have great leadership. Um, as an independent clinician, I don't necessarily have all of those resources, but I still want to be able to deliver high quality care. And so as a health system, we think, how do we help independent physicians who help support our overall mission of caring for the community and providing high quality care while also recognizing that they may not want to be employed, they want to stay independent, but will need to be able to have access to the types of data and information that we have right now. So thinking about it from an independent physician's perspective, how can I be supported in helping my patients receive population health management or care management or just simply access to labs and data that may exist at a renowned facility? So making sure that we're creating that kind of open garden. We don't want to create like a walled garden where nobody can get in and there's a gatekeeper. We want to make sure that for the right type of access and the right type of care that's being delivered across the community, how are we making sure that that, that becomes seamless? Um. Yeah. You know, there's so many different facets to this. And you know, as you've alluded to, it's not just about one party or one, one constituent wanting to, to make this happen. But And in terms of some of the vendor offerings, it's interesting to think about whether that is enough of a focus as far as driving that forward and you know, having these like more mobile focused strategies. And do you think that that's something that we'll start to see change in the future? I think it has to. You know, healthcare is several years behind other industries in terms of technology adoption. And I think it's out of necessity. 
healthcare is itself a conservative industry because you don't want to do anything that could potentially harm patient safety just because it's new and shiny, right? I mean, if I try to log onto a hotel website and I can't book a room, nobody's going to die. I just don't get a hotel room. If that happens in healthcare, that could be potentially devastating. So I think the stakes are higher in healthcare. And so there's a little bit of conservatism in terms of adopting new stuff. But the fact is people, when they interact with a company, don't think about, oh, this is a food industry or this is a hospitality industry or this is a transportation industry or this is healthcare. They think, oh, this is somebody that I want to interact with. And so consumers are smart. They are carrying their experiences from other industries that work very seamlessly. And there is an expectation to, as I move into something as important as my health, why shouldn't I be able to have the same experience there? I think we're obligated to learn from industries like the airlines who have managed to take something that is incredibly complex, but turn it into something really seamless. Now, I remember a couple of years ago, I was traveling and I was able to follow where my bag was on my phone while I'm sitting on the plane. And why shouldn't I be able to do the same thing with my loved one who's going through surgery, right? Those types of experiences that create a connection to you both help your consumer create some loyalty, which is important as a business, but it also just creates a better experience and helps people get more connected to their health. Health literacy is something that is really important. And the more that you're able to connect with it and recognize that this is something that I can play an active role in, then I, by definition, am going to have more ownership of it. So I do think that by necessity, we have to go towards a more mobile and more connected health system just across the country. And I think there are a lot of really great opportunities that we can learn from in other industries. And we should be comparing ourselves really to the best of the best and not just the best in healthcare. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It is pretty evident to me that you have this background where you haven't just been in one type of thing. And that's really interesting how that shapes the role and shapes your objectives. And wanted to talk about the previous experiences you've had and how that has lent that self to, uh, you know, your philosophy now. Ah, what a great question. One of the things that as a physician, you always are obligated to remember is whose bed you're sitting down on or who's sitting across the clinic room from you and what their experience looks like. I'll never forget a patient that I had when I was in residency, and this was in Washington, D.C., and she was a young grandmother. I want to say she was in her late 50s. I remember asking her to take another blood pressure medication because her blood pressure was too high, and she asked me how much it was, which a lot of my patients did, And it was something like $15 or $20 at the pharmacy that she went to. And she asked me almost tearfully which other medication she should stop taking because on the amount of money that she was able to get from her disability check, she made something like $680 a month and her rent was $600 a month. And to pay her utilities was $40 a month. And she did get food stamps, but needed to feed herself. And sometimes she needed to take care of her grandchildren. So which of those medications would she, would I recommend that she not take? Which of course (laughs) is very difficult as a physician, because you know, like, I hope I haven't prescribed anything that wasn't necessary, but we took a look at her drugs and we were able to kind of reduce some of them. But The broader implication there is, as we think about where people are coming to us from, we have to recognize that they may not have access to 
broadband internet or internet at all. Their cell service may be on a monthly or prepaid plan where minutes actually matter. Or, you know, if we're asking them to put an app on their phone and send us data because we want to help them stay out of the hospital using remote patient monitoring, that is now going to cost them extra money that they may not have budgeted for on a limited budget. So I think there's a broad obligation on the part of the health system to recognize that the ones who we are often architecting the solutions for may not be the ones that are going to have the most benefit. So I'd say if we do think about consumerism, we have to think about it from the lowest common denominator in terms of how do we make it as easy as possible for people to be connected to their health, be connected to their physician with whom they have a personal relationship and make sure that we're standing out of the way as much as possible. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's, it's, not a, it's not a simple concept, but I guess like the big question is, is how to try to take steps in that direction. Uh, I agree. If, we, if you start by thinking where you wanna go, I think that's the only place you can start. I don't think that the answer is for a bunch of physicians offices to go buy broadband for all their patients and make sure that they all have an iPhone that's the latest model that can accept Apple Watch data. I think there is a role for that in terms of innovation and making sure that we uh, do provide new and innovative technologies to make sure that we're keeping people healthy. But I do think there is a position for if we say we want to do remote patient monitoring or we want to create a system for remote patient monitoring, are we baking in the connectivity so that we're answering all of the questions before they get asked? And I think one of the challenges is that as healthcare and technology just more and more generally becomes increasingly complex, there's going to be a decreasing number of people who are able to see the level of complexity, right? I mean, even today, we don't know what an AI may be thinking within the little black box, right? There's an input and then there's an output and something happened in the middle. So we're already in many cases at the place where a neural network is completely unfathomable to the creator. And as we bring this level of complexity into healthcare, making sure that we're relying on the, the expert best practices are widely available and can be adopted by anyone, whether that be a $15 billion system or a million dollar a year private practice, that that level of expertise and support is available to everybody. So I, I would say from a, from a vendor perspective, how can we share expertise to our community or to our clients as a provider, how can I find these resources without having to spend half of my life now learning about something that is increasingly complex? There's such an interesting uh, balance that has to be achieved. And I guess that that's, that's really the, the ultimate goal. Talk a little bit about the work you did as a medical informatics lead. Kind of talk a bit about the idea of data literacy and what can be done to prove that across organizations. So just wanted to get some of your, your thoughts on what that was like for you and kind of some of the, the takeaways. Sure. So I, I think that's kind of all on the same road to my current position. And the chief medical information officer role has really changed a lot over the course of time. And I think everybody's evolution happens 
probably similarly, but at different rates or at different times. And the first part of that is in medical informatics. It's part and parcel of the job. And it's thinking about it from a workflow perspective or how do I lower the barrier to entry for technical literacy and, and data literacy. In thinking about the implications on the downstream impact, not just what may make the workflow easier. So actually one of the most critical elements of informatics, I would say, is thinking, what report will this break if we change this, right? I, I think that's the very first part of data literacy. The second part is helping people know what to do with it, because once you've made data available, it isn't always obvious how to take that and change it. In my prior role, having founded a startup, we were really focused on doing things as lean as possible. It was a small team. We didn't have a lot of resources and you have to be lean. And so you really have to focus on what's going to have the biggest impact or what are the things that I can change. And so bringing that kind of thought process into the way that we work in informatics also is helpful, helping people to understand even just simple things like Pareto charts, which are simple when you learn them, but if you've never been exposed to the concept or the way that you're able to, to focus on making bigger impacts by smaller changes or, or picking the biggest area of impact is maybe not always the one that's right in front of you, but using that data to help make the right decisions is an ongoing conversation. There's nothing that you can just hope that you're going to have a conversation today and then folks are just going to use that data continuously. It's something that as data becomes increasingly complex, will require more handholding. And that's good because people are asking to figure out how it works and, and how to make decisions and how can I use this to impact my business or impact the way that I care for patients. It, it's one of those things that sometimes it requires learning together. So I would think that, you know, what you've just talked about, that that's really what you seem to uh, enjoy about CMIO role, which, as you said, really has become, has uh, evolved and taken on kind of, you know, different uh, directions in recent years. Well, and, you know, a friend of mine described it as a medical information officer or somebody who does medical informatics should solve problems. And then the chief medical information officer should solve the problems that the solutions might have created. And I think it's a great way to think about it because systems are complex, health systems are complex, technology systems are complex, and it's very difficult to know every possible potential downstream impact a decision you might have could potentially make. And it might be favorable and it might be unfavorable. And you're gonna do your best to anticipate the problems in advance and you might be successful and hopefully you're successful, but there's a pretty good chance you're going to miss something. And so being able to now step back and look at it from a, a systems perspective and say, now that I know what the impact is, how can I adjust it and make sure that everything stays working? Yeah, that, that's a great way of putting it. I think it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and just how a lot of things will as we get into the, the post-COVID world. Right. And take vaccines as an example. There is such complexity in the delivery and distribution of that. I think it's actually highlighted to a lay person who maybe visits their doctor and doesn't think about healthcare, the level of complexity. It doesn't solve the problem, but at least it 
allows people to think about it in terms that, oh, maybe this isn't as easy as we thought, that it's a little bit more complex than that. And, and I think it allows us to talk in terms that recognize a level of complexity that exists without necessarily focusing on those things are not possible. It's just, they are absolutely possible. We just need to be mindful and thoughtful about how to get there. Yeah. Okay. We've definitely covered a lot. Um, I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to touch on, but I know I've taken a lot of your time and I appreciate it. And I really appreciate the the perspective you bring. You talk to a lot of CIOs and even CISOs. And I, I think that this perspective is so important, especially in light of what the industry has gone through. And so I really appreciate your time and your insight. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. I think it's important really as we recognize that IT has to think more like the business and more what our clinicians and our consumers need to make sure that we do have a focus on on that from a clinical perspective. I mean, ultimately, the, the number one goal is of, a, of a health system or an IT vendor is to help provide high quality care, and that's the product. So if we're thinking about a healthy person as the product, who's also the consumer, as long as we're thinking about it from their perspective and making sure that we're staying not too deep into the weeds of technology and those types of terms, but instead in thinking about it from what is the value that this will bring? How will this impact our patients? How does this help us deliver the product, which is a healthy person, will be a lot more successful than focusing on some of the nuts and bolts of the actual implementation. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.